0: This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson. Our guest today is Dr. Teresa Deischer, PhD, a graduate of Stanford University School of Medicine with a doctoral degree in molecular and cellular physiology. She has over 47 issued patents and four discoveries in clinical trials. She has had extensive scientific and management experience in the commercial biotechnology field at Genentech, Repligen, Zymogenics, Immunex, and Amgen, and has led a team of innovative scientists at AVM Biotechnology since 2008. Dr. Deischer is the founder of both AVM Biotechnology and Sound Choice Pharmaceutical Institute. Through the nonprofit SoundChoice Sound Choice Pharmaceutical Institute, Dr. Daisha researches and lectures on the scientific and medical implications of using aborted fetal material in vaccine manufacturing. At AVM Biotechnology, she and her team of scientists have developed a drug with a novel mechanism of action that mobilizes the body's own natural immune cells to fight cancer and potentially COVID-19. Also with us on the call is Bonnie Quirk. Bonnie has been a fighter in the pro-life cause since before Roe vs. Wade and a regular contributor at WSFI Catholic Radio. And a somewhat new contributor of WSFI, we have Fred Dempsey. Fred is an attorney in the Chicago area. He is a devout Catholic, pro-life, and he is on the board of the Institute of Religious Life. So is everyone there? Yes. Bonnie sending yes, in, and Fred's there, and we know Dr. was there. So, Dr. Dysha, welcome to WSFI Catholic Radio.
2: Thank you. It's so good to, to talk with you again. It's been a long time, Angela.
1: It's been a long time. And way back when, you predicted that in the absence of an alternative, vaccines in general would be either engineered or manufactured with aborted fetal cell tissues. What, what's happened since then?
2: Well, you know... I think, was that 10 years ago? Yes. Um, you know, a, a lot has happened. What we really were seeing was companies moving away from both embryonic and human fetal cell lines to alternative cell lines. So this past June, Sanofi announced that it was replacing the manufacture of its polio vaccine and, and thus all of the vaccines it makes that contain its polio moving away from the human fetal cell line to an alternative cell line, so that was really exciting and very hopeful, and we've also had GSK, I believe there was a decision made several years ago, not to do new development with those cell lines, and then now we find ourselves in this crazy 2020 year, and things have sort of become topsy-turvy.
1: And what's driving that? Why the change of heart?
2: Well, I I think it's the rush to develop a vaccine for the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes the COVID-19 disease and a desire maybe not to spend any time looking at alternative cell lines. Although there are many vaccines that are being put forward. I believe there's 51 of them worldwide that are not manufactured in the human, the human fetal cell lines. So there's plenty of alternatives.
0: Well, I was just wondering, as an attorney, people ask us questions on uh, sources for dependable information. And I know there are a lot of people out there, websites, and so forth. Robert Kennedy is very active in this stuff, too. What websites or organizations should we be referring people to for solid information?
2: Well, on on our nonprofit website, www.soundchoice.org, we have a list, and particularly focused on the U.S vaccines that are likely to be here in the U.S. and how they are manufactured, so they can go to our website. I know that the Charlotte Lozier Institute has a list as well, and we believe that their list is also very accurate.
3: Another question, you know, with the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, Pfizer and Moderna seem to be in the lead to have FDA approval, fast-tracked. Could you explain a little bit for people what fast-tracking means?
2: Well, fast-tracking, I think, means something very different in the COVID-19 vaccine era. And what, first of all, they're very rapidly reviewing not only the applications for clinical trials, but the clinical trial data so that they could get approvals as soon as possible and they're also approving vaccines without long-term side effect follow-up so that's really in essence the fast track of this now the companies are going to have to do the follow-up and report back to the FDA but it's not commonly done that they approve vaccines without you know longer-term follow-up
0: doctor One other question I have I'm not an expert in this field, but from what I understand the, these drug companies all enjoy immunity from liability regarding their vaccines is that is that true?
2: That is correct, and that's because of the nineteen eighty six act that was passed by Congress that gave vaccine manufacturers basically heart launch immunity for pretty much all childhood or pediatric vaccines and then some adult vaccines so that person who was injured or their parent or legal guardian could not sue the manufacturers, typically in a civil court, and they set up vaccine injury compensation act so that people could go to a special system and request compensation. And they, they set up that compensation, as they said, because they know that certain numbers of individuals will be seriously and permanently harmed by vaccines. And because the nature of the vaccine policy in the US is is almost one of compulsion that they felt that that compensation was critical. Unfortunately, it, it, well it's paid out over $4 billion, it's never worked the way it was intended because first very few people know about it so they don't even seek compensation and second there are very few injuries that they will compensate for so for instance autism is not an injury that they will compensate for and so those cases are turned away and yet you know these parents have child with lifelong disabilities that they have to care for so it it hasn't worked as it was intended
3: I know one of the concerns that I've heard from many friends is does Moderna and Pfizer use the aborted cell line for the development of their vaccine. So,
2: you know that this is an issue that actually has kind of become quite contentious. There there's several different sort of buckets. So, were fetal cell lines used somewhere in in the research? that led to something that enabled the vaccine. And then there's the bucket, were fetal cell lines used to manufacture the vaccine? And then there's another bucket, where were are fetal cell lines used to test the vaccine once it's made? And the mRNA vaccines, which are the first vaccines, you know, getting approval, that's Pfizer's, Emergency use authorizations are actually not made in a cell line. They're mRNA vaccines, and so they're not made in fetal cell lines, nor are they contaminated with debris from the fetal cell line or human fetal DNA fragments. However, the human fetal cells are used in the testing of the vaccines and real purists would also insist that the human fetal cell lines were used in the development of the vaccine because they might have been involved at at some at some point
3: based on that information i know a lot of people are concerned about the ethical nature of taking the vaccine based on aborted fetal cells not particularly on the safety of the vaccine but the the morality of being vaccinated for a disease that has a high rate of recovery so there are
2: two issues with vaccines that are manufactured using human fetal cell lines there's a moral aspect and then there's also a health aspect and the catholic church has issued documents specifically to address this issue and the guidance is very clear it parents or the person has to ask themselves specific questions. One, is there a grave health risk? Two, or are there alternatives? If there are alternatives, then there's no justification to use that vaccine. And then three, do they make their objections known to the pediatrician, maybe to the pharma company making the vaccine? And then lastly, do they actively work to see that alternatives are brought to the market? And that's very clear guidance. And unfortunately, many organizations really drop several of those conditions and just conclude that the um, creation of the human fetal cell line is so remote that it's okay. And if all of those conditions are met, then morally, it it would be okay to use the vaccines. It is not required. It is not a good ask of us. And parents and people may certainly refuse a vaccine manufactured using a human fetal cell line, according to Catholic teaching.
0: Uh, Doctor, all the emphasis, of course, is on the vaccine currently and pushing it on everybody. But what, what will become of the various treatments Remdesivir and experimental treatment uh, President Trump received, or hydroxychloroquine, other other forms of treatment that seem to have very high rates of success. Is that all going by the wayside in favor of the franchise to vaccinate you every three months?
2: Well, even with flu vaccines and antivirals for flu, we have significant numbers of people who still develop severe acute respiratory distress syndrome every year and require treatment. And, and in, in the most mild flu season in the United States, that's about 17,500 people. So it's unlikely that a vaccine will prevent that. The flu vaccine, the most efficacious, most effective flu vaccine is only 44% effective. So it's quite likely that people will continue to get ill. But what what's really being missed here in in all of this dialogue is that viruses tend to follow different patterns. And when when this virus first hit last February March in the U.S., no one knew w- how this virus was going to behave. Was it going to be an an annual endemic like influenza and come every year? Or would it behave like some types of viruses that come in waves? And it, it's actually behaving like the viruses that come in waves. And they typically, I'm I'm told by the experts, come in three to five waves, and with each wave they become more contagious but less dangerous. And In the U.S., we're now in our third wave, and that's what we see. Many more cases, so the virus is more contagious, but much less dangerous. And in the one or two more waves, it will probably be just a common cold. And that's certainly not something that we vaccinate for or that most people would actually want to risk taking a vaccine so they don't get a common cold and so i i think that the need for vaccines may well become moot within the next eight months
0: however politically will they be mandatory uh, on a digital health card in order to fly or travel or things like that do you anticipate that
2: well it's really up to our government and does the government want to do the right thing regardless of the you know, money is invested in this warp speed development of these vaccines. And if our government decides that they don't want to accept that it was not a necessary expense and and therefore they're going to try to insist on vaccines, then they'll do that. But if they're serving the people like they are supposed to do when they are elected, They will look at all of the data and they will make the best decisions, best recommendations. States can essentially mandate vaccines, I understand, um, for the health of the people. And for if this virus basically goes the way, it looks like it's going and in in eight more months is just a common cold, then an elected official who's truly serving the interests of the people would never recommend a vaccine which comes with some significant risks and side effects for some people. Dr. Dasha, walk us through, we
1: didn't touch yet on the side effects for people. Uh, first of all, are they different for different demographics?
2: Well, of course they're going to be different for different demographics and the side effects in frail people would probably be significantly greater. think that side effects from some of the vaccine, sort of cherry-picked volunteers, healthy, normal volunteers, are actually concerning. And up to 15% of the volunteers experience those. I hear some people, maybe a small number, but Bell's palsy is not something that anyone would want to get, as well as other complications. And then again, we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. and There are concerns over the past month that have been put out by top scientists in the world. The former head of Pfizer is concerned that the vaccine could induce sort of a cross-reactive autoimmune response that could interfere with female fertility. And that's a serious concern and really needs to be looked at and followed.
1: You know, it's interesting because when they talked about the rollout plan, the ones I've heard is, of course, the people in the nursing home, the group, that you, <laughs> the group that, you, that you had mentioned probably will be the most harmed by it. Also the military. So it sounds like the military might need it the least because they're, most of them are young. So going through those concerns that you had mentioned with the Catholic Church about are you in grave danger, I, I don't know. It, it sounds to me like they both would be perhaps odd fits with well, what the criteria are.
2: Correct. There's there's lots of talk and and we don't know who they're sort of targeting as the first receivers. The Pfizer vaccine and the other vaccine don't actually, it looks like, prevent infection. It looks like they might lessen severity of disease. That's from the US Surgeon General who says that people will still have to wear masks and maintain social distancing even if they've been vaccinated. This is a messenger (laughs) RNA virus that are very small, and you know the data does not suggest that masks or social distancing um, are helpful at all. And as a matter of fact, it looks like wearing masks all the time may increase a person's risk of infection twelve to thirteen fold, based on CD numbers. That eighty percent, seven percent of the new cases always or almost always wear a mask many of the things being done are just not rational. So New York has closed all its restaurants and they predict 15 million U.S. you know restaurant workers will be unemployed by January. And yet most of the infections are not, they're not coming from restaurants. So if we look at countries who didn't lock down and didn't mask everyone in social distance, contrary to what's said, they're, numbers are no worse than anyone else and what we need to be looking at is not the number of cases because that's based on the number of tests but the num- now we really need to see numbers like the number of, of hospitalizations and the severity of the disease and then the, the mortality rate depending on the numbers people like to pre- present they can skew the data and supposedly support the mandates that they're putting in place, but the actual data does not support that. We have data across the U.S. where some states have draconian measures and others are open, and it looks like the open states are actually doing better than the states that are closed and masked up. Um, And I, I think there's a good reason for that. First of all, vaccines, and people forget this, but vaccines require a healthy immune system to work a vaccine is not going to be effective if a significant number of the people who get it do not have a healthy immune system and how do we keep our immune systems healthy well it's the opposite of what is being done in many places in response to the SARS-CoV-2 people are fearful they are extremely and irrationally fearful fear elevates cortisol levels and cortisol directly kills immune cells so fear dampens your immune system lockdowns dampen your immune system we know this from from caregivers who take care of immunocompromised people, like a cancer patient or a transplant patient. Those caregivers stay in basically a germ-free environment with the person they're caring for, and their immune system sort of goes on the back burner. And when they come out of those environments, they are susceptible to pretty much everything. We know this. And then wearing a mask. You're not breathing fresh air. You're not Spelling the things that you're normally supposed to expel, and what's being done, I really think, is actually making people more susceptible if they're exposed to this virus, that they're going to become infected and become ill. And RNA is kind of everywhere, so you know the best thing people can do is don't be afraid, eat healthfully, make sure you take your vitamins a c d and e all four are required for a good immune system don't follow one of the fads people taking zinc reduces your chances of becoming infected or the severity it's an antiviral drinking tonic water with quinine in it people can put a little gin in there if they like their <laughs> gin and tonic but all
0: right, you know, that's what, what i like to hear that's a good catholic
3: remedy go. <laughs>
2: So I'm just saying these people should be told to do, to make sure they have a healthy immune system, and that will reduce your chances of being infected by 70 to 80 percent, and if you are infected, it will reduce the severity of the infection, because you'll be able to fight it naturally.
0: Fred? What is your sense of how much of this is being driven by a mass hysteria on the part of the elite? or something much more planned and malicious? Famous as the uh, Salem witch trials. Uh, this sort of hysteria happens. Is that what they're all victims uh, to? They're all trying to out-virtue signal the other one? Or is it uh, part of more of a malicious plan of control?
2: I don't know. I I really can't say. I know there's lots of suggestions out there it's very difficult for us to imagine something on this level, and yet we know from history that there's certainly these types of things happen, and they happen maliciously. I was in, at a hairdresser I'm in Nashville visiting my son, who at, said something to me, are, are, we, are we in America? Are we Americans? Uh, what is going on? I mean, this is, totally anti-america and anti-american and yet i would say half of the population is going right along with it and even more of us because we don't want to get yelled and screamed at or attacked when we go into a store without a mask on and because people are just irrational and ultimately i'm sure that we will find out the truth will always come out about whether this is deliberate I guess I won't be surprised if that's the case.
3: On a technical level, could you explain why the Pfizer vaccine has to be kept at at such a low degree of temperature and won't be effective if if it comes to room temperature after so many days?
2: Well, that's because it's a it's a messenger RNA vaccine, and messenger RNA is actually quite unstable, so it has to be stored. I think it was negative forty and negative twenty for the second shot.
3: And so that's it, why, because of the
2: nature, yeah.
3: So the potential for a not effective vaccine would be to not have it as cold or to have a break in when it's delivered or all of the above?
2: To repeat that, I'm sorry.
3: Sure. I am worried about the delivery. Uh, well, I'm worried about the vaccine and I'm worried about the inability of people to make an informed choice because the every time you go onto a site, it seems as if they've somebody has taken it down or they're they're classified as it's very hard to make an informed decision on this with what the average person sees. But my question is in delivery. It, they have to have a certain negative degree temperature so that the vaccine remains effective, whatever that means.
2: Well, it, it makes supply of the vaccine challenging.
3: Yes, and has that been well publicized that we have the vaccine, but the challenge, there are many challenges, but that's a big big challenge. You won't be able to get your free vaccine shot at Walgreens because maybe they don't have the capability of storage. Dr.
1: Dyson, let me ask you a question. Which of the vaccines, just in your personal view, are you inclined to think of the safest? If you had to take one, is there one that stands out more from an ethical and efficacy point of view to you?
2: Well, I have two respiratory disease and vaccine experts on my board, ABM Biotechnology. So I have the benefit of listening to their their wisdom and their advice. And there are recombinant vaccines under development there are multiple sanofi is manufacturing one in insect cells and that process is used for the most effective flu vaccine which does not require adjuvants and has a very good safety profile and there's another recombinant spike protein vaccine that's being developed i believe it's a company novavax that is also not using human fetal cell lines, and I might consider one of those. I I actually don't believe a vaccine is going to be necessary in the end, as I mentioned, and so I wouldn't want to take a vaccine for something that's not a a risk to me, but I think that, that those are, you know, promising alternatives. Even, I actually think any vaccine that is based on generating immunity to the spike protein is of concern. And the reason for that is patients who are infected with the SARS-CoV-2, people who are infected and who develop high levels of antibodies to the spike protein in the first seven days, theoretically should not become ill. However, those patients paradoxically are the ones who develop the most severe illness and what that data suggests is that immunity triggered to the spike protein has cross reactivity with self proteins and that an autoimmune attack is actually driving the severe disease response to the virus. So I have concerns in general about any vaccine that is trying to trigger immunity um, through giving or expressing the spike protein.
1: You know, Dr. Dysa, there was something that we had on a show. It was about, I, I believe it was about the SARS epidemic and that a vaccine, they spent a lot of time and money developing a vaccine, but it never worked. Why didn't that work?
2: Well, coronaviruses are, in general, not very immunogenic, so I I think that that is something that has been seen. You know, long-term immunity is not induced by the the virus, at least antibody-mediated long-term immunity, and that's what the vaccines are trying to trigger. So if the virus itself doesn't give us long-term antibody immunity, we should not expect a vaccine to do to do that either and so then what are you looking at you know vaccinating every three months or six months again i i think that the response and fear is now disproportionate to the danger from this virus
3: i totally agree you know all you have to do is go to the grocery store and see how fearful people are with their mask on. And if you walk down the wrong side of the aisle, they they avoid you like the plague. Uh, they, the fear is unbelievable. Uh, What's well,
1: being stoked?
3: Uh, it it is. Uh, you know, the media, uh, our media, kind of covers up. I mean, it's like. Uh, It's like a constant dirge of how many people have it, how many people have died, how many people are probably going to get it, what's gonna happen. I mean, it is all to promote fear. Correct me if I'm
1: wrong, but it's the people who have died with the COVID in them, or they think that COVID was in them, but not necessarily people who have died from COVID. Is that correct?
2: Well, I believe the, the data, in, you know, it keeps changing. So um, I believe that the data in the U.S. is that over 92% of the people who died had comorbidities and, and more than one comorbidity. So would those people have died this year anyway? Perhaps and serious comorbidities, cardiovascular disease and other disease, and and that the number of people who just really, quote, died from COVID-19 is maybe only 6% of those who've died. But it's difficult because I don't get to see the raw data to form an opinion or whatnot.
0: Hmm. I was just wondering if there's been any studies on all those millions of people who have had COVID and have survived how much they are a carrier of it in any sense or are they at least immune for several months and should they still need to social distance and wear masks or are they just as likely to be a carrier as anyone else?
2: Well I I don't think there's evidence that social distancing and wearing masks stops the spread of this virus so I wouldn't recommend that even for someone who's De- definitely had the virus and recovered there's not any evidence that they really spread that they can spread the virus after they recover so i don't think that they need to be concerned about that i i would just tell people be not afraid take your vitamins eat healthfully get rest hug your loved ones don't don't let our humanity be taken away from us, you don't know if your loved one is going to be there tomorrow. I mean, someone could walk out and be hit by a bus today and and you won't have hugged them or touched them out of fear of a virus with a 99.97% recovery rate. I just think that's really sad and older people dying alone, even younger people dying alone in hospitals without their loved ones around them which seems to only be the rule for peons you know the general public I Chrissy Teigen was broadcasting a miscarriage I feel terrible for her that she lost the baby where she had her husband in there without a mask and a film crew filming or whatever and you know whereas just the our, our plebeians were separated and I think that's a horrible horrible thing to do and I worry for our children and what this is doing to them mentally and spiritually. There will be very long-term consequences from our responses to the virus. I think that will be much more significant than the virus itself.
1: That's all the time we have left. Thank you so much, Dr. Disher. Thank you, Bonnie Quirk and Fred Dempsey. It was a a wonderful eye-opening show, and we wish you all the luck in the world. God bless you.
0: The WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.